Hey guys, it's your host Sam Thornton here. Before this episode begins, I want to promote the DL Sports social accounts. Follow the handle at DLSportsCom on Instagram and Twitter for updates on breaking news and interactive stories for users. Thanks and enjoy the show. On today's episode of On The Deal Podcast, we have an awesome jam-packed episode for you friends. We're going to talk over the Wimbledon Championship from this weekend, talk about the Baker Mayfield trade with my buddy Cameron Ponder hopping on the show to discuss all of that. It was a fantastic segment, so you guys will love it. Some small news bits that I saw over the past week and this week's edition of Thornton's Betting Tavern, and finally, this week's edition of my music segment. Obviously, we have lots to cover, so let's not waste any time and get right into it. Okay, we're going to start the show with some Wimbledon talk. And before I get into the recap of the men's final, I just want to highlight and show love to this tournament as a whole. Um, I absolutely love this tournament. I love watching Wimbledon. If uh, anyone in my family or is close to me with, uh, in my friend group, you guys know this. I think it's honestly one of the most underrated sporting events there is. Um, I think there's many different factors that are so great about it. First of all, it just comes at the perfect time in the sports calendar, right after the NBA and the NHL playoffs when, you know, you're all depressed and you think there's nothing on TV but baseball, just watching MLB on your couch. And if you're not a baseball fan, definitely is not a great time for you to be a sports, be a sports guy. And then all of a sudden, you just wake up, roll out of bed, you're making, you know, you're making your morning coffee, making your breakfast, and you wake up and you turn on the TV and you just see that beautiful green grass they play on with Chris Fowler's voices echoing in the background and I always just say to myself yes I'm gonna sit here on the couch for an hour and just watch this simply because I can it doesn't even matter if I don't know the players in the match that makes absolutely no difference at all for me there's just something about it that's so awesome it's absolutely on my bucket list for places to visit or cover one day I think the village they have is just super dope with all the restaurants and the bars and that huge giant green hill that everyone sits on to watch the games it's like it's just like a classy party that is outside of London it's it's awesome and you don't even have to be at the matches to have a great time it seems like it's like the Augusta and the Masters of Tennis everyone in the stands is dressed extremely nice and classy and everyone also just looks so foreign like when the camera points on someone between a point in the in the match going on it just points to someone and you just say oh yeah that dude is british it you just it's incredible maybe my favorite thing that happens is when the crowd is getting super rowdy during a match like a big rally just happened like 30 or 40 shots deep and then the serve is about to happen for the next point, and people are still making noise from that rally, and the umpire or the ref or whatever you call the the umpire in tennis has to pause and tell everyone to shut the hell up. That's when you know the crowd is electric. It's just one of my favorite events doesn't get the credit it really deserves. It's amazing, and... I really am looking forward to watching it next year. But anyways, let's talk about the men's final. So the Joker completes the four-peat over Nick Kyrgios after dropping the first set, 4-6, 6-3, 6-4, 7-6. And this is not surprising if you are familiar with watching Novak Djokovic because he is the king at responding. It seems that Every single match you watch him, it seems he always drops the first set. And this was a highly anticipated matchup before it began because Djokovic had actually lost. So they had met two times before. And Djokovic had lost his first two career matchups against Kyrgios, which were both in 2017. And from what I learned, Kyrgios was frustrating Joker in those matches with his elite serving 
and it seemed that Djokovic could never could never get a read on where his serves were landing and going, which was a point of interest for this final. And it's interesting because Djokovic is probably the best in the world at locating serves and his return game is absolutely elite, maybe the best we've ever seen in the sport. So he brought it in this final for sure, which eventually got him to the four-peat, which is, by the way, an incredible feat. He is the king of Wimbledon four years in a row. If it wasn't for COVID in 2020, it would be it would be another one. So now we really, as sports fans, and if you're a fanatic and you love these arguments, we really have to talk about Novak Djokovic and his legacy. He now has 21 Grand Slam titles, which is only one behind the all-time mark at 22, which is held by Nadal. And as we know, Rafael Nadal, he was in the semifinal. He was supposed to be in the semifinals of the Wimbledon, but had to pull out due to a abdominal tear, I believe it was. So he was going to face Nick Kyrgios, um, but unfortunately could not carry on, could not compete. So he had to withdraw from competition. So Kyrgios automatically made it to the final. Um, no, this is not a Mickey Mouse scenario for Nick Kyrgios. He absolutely deserved to be in this final. So I don't want to hear any of that. I just love how the big three never seems to die. Novak Djokovic just seems to keep getting better and better, and Nadal keeps getting better and better as well, especially on on clay, as we know. Again, it was sad to see that he had to pull out due to the abdominal tear, but if Novak keeps going at the pace he is, and it looks like he will, we have to one day seriously have the conversation for him being one of the best athletes of our generation and possibly the greatest tennis player of all time and it's just it makes sense it makes sense you have to put him on that pedestal you have to look at his dominance I understand that tennis is not a game it's a country club game everyone you know it's that's what everyone thinks it is it seems that people like myself I'm in this crowd only seem to pay attention to tennis when Wimbledon comes around, sometimes the U.S. Open, but we have to give credit where credit is due. You cannot disrespect his greatness, and he has to get what he deserves. Back to the final match in particular, the best part of this game was when Kyrgios, like he always seems to do, started complaining to the umpire about a fan that was making too much noise as he was serving. So we had a heckling fan in the crowd. And if you don't know, Kyrgios is, he's just that guy who is always complaining to the refs. He's always complaining. He is the bad boy of tennis. And just look at the way he was dressed. He was wearing a cutoff with a backwards hat that was inside out. I mean, he's, that's just the way he is. I believe it was midway through the game when this incident happened. He complained to the umpire about a heckling fan, and this was his quote during the argument. There's no bigger occasion, and they did it again, and it nearly cost me the point. She's drunk. She's drunk out of her mind, so kick her out. I know exactly who it is. She's the one who looks like she's had about 700 drinks. (laughs) This guy is comical. He really said to the umpire, I know exactly who it is. She's the one who looks like she's had about 700 drinks. Obviously, this is hilarious, but this is the kind of stuff that he always gets shit for, and it's why many tennis fanatics don't like him. He complains all the time, just like I said, but hey, he is great for the game of tennis. Every sport needs to have the douchebag who cries to the refs and is extremely talented at the same time. He's like the Trey Young of professional tennis, if we're going to make that comparison. And to top off his douchey aesthetic, he, like I said, he wears a flip backwards hat, a cutoff tank top, a gold chain, and a compression shirt under all of it. This guy, this dude just does not care what people think, and I absolutely love it. And 
this is now officially a Nick Kyrgios podcast. It's fantastic. Um, obviously, he's extremely talented, a great talent in the sport of tennis. Um, I thought he was younger than than what he is. I believe he's twenty eight or twenty seven or twenty eight. I believe, um, and he's just he's crazy. These highlights you guys might have seen online if you didn't watch the matches you definitely saw some of these highlights if you're a sports fan he was hidden in between serves in between the leg shots throughout the whole tournament behind the back shots this guy is crazy he's an extreme talent to the sport and hopefully you know this is good these are good things you want tennis to get more publicity then be a fan of Nick Kyrgios this is a this is a now in Nick Kyrgios podcast I will miss Wimbledon. It's the only tournament I watch, like I said, and I think it's a lot of a lot of people are in the same boat as me. It's the only tournament that a lot of people watch. So I'm going to miss it. Um, needs more credit. Great tournament, great people, great environment, great culture. But now I'm ready for football because now we are officially, we have officially entered the twilight zone of death for sports fans. All we have is we have the Open Championship coming out for golf this upcoming weekend and the MLB All-Star Game. That's it. And then the rest of the MLB season until football season starts. So everyone just needs to strap in and get ready because we got to stick it out. We got we to gotta be here for each other. If you guys ever need someone to talk to, just reach out to me. We'll get through this together. I promise you guys. We'll get through this together. It's a hard time. If you need help, just reach out to me. I'm here for you guys. Okay, guys. Now we're about to head into our discussion about the Baker Mayfield trade that happened last week with my friend Cameron Ponder. I knew this news was coming at some point. We had a lot of ground to cover. And it was a great interview, like I said before. So without further delay, here's Cameron Ponder. All right, guys. Now we welcome on a very special guest. It's my good buddy, Cameron Ponder, the 336 legend himself. Cameron, before we begin, I just wanted to let you know that I woke up this morning feeling some type of way. Feeling woke dangerous. Up, woke up feeling dangerous. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> No, but seriously, thanks for joining. I know you're a huge Panthers fan, so it's awesome that I get to hear your thoughts on this breaking news. Um, let's just uh, let's get right into it. So on Wednesday, the news broke that Baker Mayfield would be heading to Carolina in a trade with the Cleveland Browns. The Panthers would receive Baker Mayfield in exchange for a fifth-round pick. I just need to hear your initial thoughts. Yeah, so um, obviously there had been some some rumors surrounding you know the Panthers wanting to go after uh, another veteran quarterback um, being that our QB room is so young and the names were it was either Garoppolo or uh, or Mayfield and and you know honestly like I didn't really know what to expect um, I definitely had the preference of Mayfield over Garoppolo um, just because of what we would end up paying for him but I was always in the boat of if we do go after this vet or, I mean, he's still young, but you know, he's had few good seasons. Um, I, I wanted it for, for, it to, I wanted it to be for the right price and for a conditional fifth in 2024, I laughed out loud when I saw it and I was very happy, very happy. <laughs> yeah. Me as well. I, I personally, I personally loved it. Um, just my initial thoughts. I just, personally couldn't bear to watch the Panthers play every Sunday with the QB with the QB room they had um if you had eyeballs last year you saw that Donald was just not a good player not a good quarterback for us and whenever PJ Walker would fill in for him if there was a bad game it was just even worse and then yeah as we know the Cam Newton return was very short-lived so it was just a disaster so I'm glad that Baker gets to have another shot I personally think this deal, like you said, was just a steal, an absolute steal for us. And considering the fifth-round compensation we gave the Browns, along with only having to pay Baker $4.8 within the contract, it was just 
the perfect scenario for the Panthers, and they were just waiting for the price to drop, and it just, it just got it to work for them. For sure, for sure. I think it got to a point where, you know, people have been criticizing, uh, you know, everything about the Panthers for the last year, whether that, you know, is Rule or, uh, or Tepper. But I think, yeah, staying patient really paid off here. I mean, they had to get him off their – I mean, he didn't want to – it was obvious he didn't want to be in Cleveland. And it was getting to the point where they needed him off the roster. So, um, I mean, huge, huge fifth round, nothing else. There were – I mean, he's pretty much going to – or the Browns are pretty much going to pay us to, to beat them week one. So, I like the sound of that. Yeah, we're going to get to that week <laughs> – yeah, we're going to get to that week one matchup later on. But you did mention Matt Rule. I did have a question. Do you think this will be Rule's last year in Carolina? You know, I, I think that I, – I think it will be. Um, but I also think that Baker, if he is the week one starter, will squeak out, you know, some wins. Um, going into the draft, I thought, okay, the only way for Rule to keep his job after next season is to draft, you know, a rookie quarterback at, at five and have a good year. I, I think a rookie quarterback will, can save any head coach's job, right, with some wins. Um, but I, I think for Rule to stay, it'd have to be a playoff year. It would have to be. Nothing, nothing less. Anything short of that, I don't care if, you know, we're for, fighting for a wild card spot week, week 17, week 18, but it's yeah I think playoffs are, are bust for rule I absolutely agree I think that Matt Rule had to do this move I personally am not a fan of Matt Rule I think he should have been let go this offseason but it seems that unless you know things improve this year he's going to be gone and I think he knows that's the case which is why I believe he felt like he had to go out and get Baker and make a difference in the locker room and on the field for the Panthers and you know, I never like to bash a coaches that I'm, you know, I'm a fan of, but this dude just looks like an overworked, like, pizza delivery man. Like, remember <laughs> that Remember that picture of him at the coaches meeting, like the NFL coaches meeting? Oh, yeah. Dude, yeah. he looks like shit. There's one guy that just didn't fit in that picture, and he, it was Matt Rule. <laughs> there were so many memes going around. Oh, yeah. That was right in the midst of all of the, you know, Right after the season, he should have been fired. Like, that was just in the middle of the hailstorm on that rule. <laughs> um, yeah. It's, it's kind of calmed down, and I think he, he does get some, you know, bonus points for the signing, but we'll, we'll see how it goes. I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic about the season in general, but not really about rules job, if that makes sense. Yeah, I totally so agree. So we'll see. And I know other fans feel the same way. I mean, he did get a lot of criticism. He constantly threw players under the bus in press conferences for losses and never really took full accountability for mistakes. And do you remember when the Hornets had a game? It was probably over Christmas. And they were doing like a halftime show in the hallway. And all the fans were behind him. And they were chanting like, fire rule yes i remember this very yeah. well yeah yeah <laughs> i know everyone feels the same way it's just you know he's he just doesn't seem to have that um he just doesn't seem to have that leadership that, that confidence right and that the players right. just aren't buying in they're not buying into his leadership and his grit and his vision right and and you know what i i like that you mentioned mentioned that like the players buying into his his leadership and and right his vision and I think that I think that rule expected Darnold to bring a little more of that and and kind of be that that player coach that player leader and I think Sam Darnold's a great guy not a good player um but when you bring in a guy like Baker Mayfield guys want to you, you, you've seen it on the Browns like the first few years um Maybe not OBJ, but guys, guys will fight for Baker Mayfield. You know, he brings that fire. He brings that energy in the locker room that I, I don't think Darnold really has. And so I'm excited to see, you know, players in the locker room get excited about playing for Baker. And maybe that'll help rule out a little. We'll see. But I, I really like the fire, the energy that, that Mayfield brings in the locker room, for sure. 
Yeah, and that's a perfect transition. I was going to ask you, do you think Baker will get the respect from his peers as a leader? And, I mean, we saw the Robbie Anderson comment, like the long, like, no. Right. Like in a- I think that was like in April around the draft. Uh, it was like some poses, like, should the Panthers trade for Baker Mayfield? And obviously we saw that comment from Robbie Anderson. Yeah, and, and look, I have honestly, like, first glance, right, it looks bad. I mean, there's no way around it. I think Robbie Anderson should have known it was going to look bad. Um, but I will say, I, I, I think Robbie Anderson is going to have a great year. I really do. And I think they're going to click really well. I mean, Baker can throw that deep ball. Robbie's going to be the fastest guy on the field. He can, I mean, he'll be that, that deep target. I think it's going to be a great, great connection. And I liked Robbie's response actually um, to, to, you know, the press coming after him about that. And he just said, look, I, I'm, that was me backing my QB up. That was, that was, you know, our quarterback at the time, which I really like to see out of, you know, a player. And um, I think whether that is true or not, it was the right response, I think. And uh, I think, I mean, I think Baker will, I think they're going to have a great connection. I think they're going to put all that behind them. So I'm excited. I'm excited to see that connection most actually. Yeah, Robbie, he really didn't have a great season, to say the least, last year. So hopefully he does bounce back with a new a new duo, possibly with Baker. I think Baker, just in general, has just gotten too much hate in his career. Um, mm-hmm. And, I, I mean, I think a lot of people online agree with that take. Um, I mean, he brought the Browns from a 1-15 squad to a playoff team. And – He's just always been underappreciated as a player from high school to right now. And it does seem that whenever he has a major chip on his shoulder, he tends to play better and he proves people wrong. And hopefully that's the case this year. And I think he was just being prematurely like wrote off um, to be quite, quite honest with you. I mean, he was injured all of last year with those, with the labrum issues and, um, we just live in a day, as you know, with, with sports that when, when you have a bad year or a bad game, even everyone just turns their back on you. So hopefully he proves everyone wrong with the Panthers and a new, uh, new, new team, new leadership. New- right. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I was thinking about that this morning, actually, like um, about, you know, his time at, at, at Texas Tech and then, you know, walking on there and then transferring to Oklahoma. I mean, this guy's been written off his entire career. How you you go to the Browns as I don't even know their umpteenth quarterback in ten years, and you're expected to be the guy. And you know what? He was that guy. He he brought the Browns back to the playoffs, won a, won them a playoff game, and now and then that was what 2020. And now coming off a bad year, everyone's like, oh, this guy sucks again. Well, let's see what you can do, with Baker. I I think if there's a guy to come back from that, it's him. So. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited, man. I, every day I get more excited and it's only been four days since the news broke. Yeah, for sure. And I think a lot of that did have to do with him being the number one overall pick. Um, I think if he were to be perhaps a late first rounder, early second rounder, I think that pressure wouldn't have been so, so intense for him with all number one picks or anyone that's you know, chosen high, chosen high up in the draft. I think that's the case for everyone. Um, but kind of transitioning here, do you think that this has been a debate I've been listening to on other podcasts and other media forums? Do you think that this will be a true QB battle between Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold? And who do you think will be the week one starter? Yeah, that that's a great question. And I think that for the sake of I mean, just given Sam Darnold's shot, I think it's going to be said, like, yeah, there's a battle. Darnold's, Darnold's, Darnold's going to be the starter until Baker can outperform him, whether that's in training camp or practice or um, whenever. But, you know, maybe that's week one, week two. But I would like to see Baker Mayfield be the starter. I would not be surprised if Sam Darnold's the starter week one. Um, but... I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to say 5149 Baker. I'm going to say he barely gets the gets the nod. Um cuz I mean it is it is hard. You have Donald through contract this year like 
uh, he was terrible, but he knows the playbook better than anyone that, you know, so it's tough. It's tough. I, again, 51, 49 Baker for me, but it's early still. So. Yeah. And I, I totally get the logistics of, you know, having a quarterback that's been acclimated into the offensive schemes and knows the playbook. But my viewpoint is, you know, like I alluded to earlier, just Matt rule had to go out and get this guy. He knew that I think he knows that Sam Darnold is not the answer. And is if he is the answer, it's not gonna last very long and his job is gonna be in jeopardy. So the way I see it is I just don't I see it being built up as a quarterback competition, but I don't see it being close. I think Baker right. has this thing. I think he's a much better quarterback than Darnold from what I saw last year. And yeah, Baker had a down year last season due to injury, but Darnold was even worse and like much worse. And I get it, you know, analysts making the point that Sam is in what you just pointed out that, you know, Darnold is familiar with the system and it's his job to lose, but he's just not the answer. Um, and it just doesn't really matter that we have to pay Darnold whatever 18 million. It's about winning. And I think Baker has a much better chance of leading the Panthers to winning than Darnold. And, even if neither of these guys are the future, you have to go with the guy who's been there in the playoffs and has faced adversity and overcome that. And just an overall better player in Baker Mayfield and the disrespect to him, like I said, is crazy. And it's also crazy to point out that the Panthers now have the number one and number three pick from the 2018 draft. And they both are at the quarterback position. Right. I, I hope you're right. I hope you're right. And I hope Baker is the start of week one. Um, and I hope that, rule can kind of look like put his you know pride aside and say okay like Donald's not it because he has he really has yet to say that you know so maybe he said it with with getting Baker but it's not going to be till week one um if we if we know that that he's actually made that call so yeah absolutely um Going back to your point about that week one matchup, you can literally not script this any better. Like, I mean, the NFL is already great. You know, we see the NFL rigged memes. We see all that. But yeah. come on, man. Like, week one, this happens, and the Browns come to Carolina week one. And if Baker plays, just I want to hear your thoughts this year when you found that out, when you, when you knew that was going to be the case. It's it's gonna be special. I was surprised, and I, I same reaction as you. I think uh, you know you can't make this stuff up. Like this is the NFL week one. Um, it's really gonna be like NFL is back, football is back. Like it's gonna be one of those moments, and I'm I'm so excited. I've already looked at tickets. I need to just I need to just see if like I have a competition that weekend. I I need to see like. I need to buy them because they're just going to keep going up with all this build up. Oh, so, for sure. For sure. You we'll see. I, I, I want to be there. I want to be in the stadium, but uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. I'll be watching from somewhere. If not, for sure. Also that, uh, that Mayfield Jersey is going to be looking clean. Dude, it will. It will. It's, it will. I think it'll look good in blue. Um, I, I don't know if I want to admit this now that he might be Carolina's third string, but, after we drafted Corral, I actually got a Matt Corral jersey. Um, yeah. So, I like, I yeah, like that. Now, I don't know if, if you know, you were going to bring up Matt Corral, but I, I think that he – I think that another thing about Baker coming in is I think Baker's going to be perfect for his game and, and for kind of ushering him into um, this, this really – to be the franchise quarterback because you know baker's on a one year um it's kind of like a pro i mean it's a prove it deal right if he plays really well we can resign him if he doesn't you know let him go hopefully for more than a conditional fifth you know hopefully we can get our money back and then some so we'll see but i think that having him in the qb room for corral is going to be great whether corral starts next year baker starts next year even sam you know so um i'm, I'm really looking forward to just this whole QB dynamic because any way you look at it, our third string quarterback is going to be a pretty good third string quarterback. 
That is true. And we did build up the offensive line in the draft and with acquisitions at, over the offseason. So that definitely helps as well. Um, I was going to say my response to that week one matchup. I just love how it's a 1 p.m. game. Like you just said, it's welcome back to the NFL and it's a 1 p.m. kickoff. Uh, so that's going to be the one front and center on my TV. I'm going to have that one in the front and then red zone and then other, you know, NFL Sunday ticket, but that's going to be the one I'm going to definitely be tuning into for that for that time slot. And I'm just ready for the celebrations that Baker is going to pull out for that <laughs> one if he starts and they score when he scores. Like, what's going to be yeah. the over under that Baker? How many? How many over? What's the over under um, on the bake, on the Baker nut grabs towards the sideline? I was about to say, how many times is he going to grab his crotch? Yeah, I, don't know. I hope at least once. <laughs> oh, it's going to be a show. <laughs> I'm sending the line at like five and a half. Oh my gosh, that would be that would be great. Or what that if the uh, what if they get the W and he 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 goes and gets a Panthers flag and roams around the field, does a victory lap, and then plants in the middle of the field? Hey, if we can get if we can get people to want to watch Carolina Panthers football, any way we do it, I don't care if that's the way then Baker, do your thing, man. <laughs> uh, kind of switching gears here. I mean, we've been talking about the Panthers, obviously, because we're both Panthers fans, and this was a big trade for our fan base. But give me your thoughts on the Cleveland Browns now and their situation. Yeah. So, gosh, when I think of it now, obviously, with Baker gone, you think of their, their QB situation. And – everything around Deshaun, how much they paid for him, which is ridiculous to think about. Um, I, I don't see Deshaun playing any games this year. Um, I think he is suspended for – he's going to be suspended for at least, at the very, very least, one full year. Um, so then you look at – you look at, I think, Brissett. I think Jacoby Brissett's there. That's correct. Next guy, who is honestly – a fine fine starter i mean he's gonna be average he's he's gonna win you some games he's gonna lose you some games but i don't think that's a bad um bad quarterback for the browns and and i think this year it's gonna be just low expectations but you also have you know you have the guys to win games and uh so we'll see what happens for them um, but I think it's kind of a year where you say, okay, let's just see where, our, where we're at right now and then go from there. So um, if I were a Browns fan, I would, not have high, I would not have high expectations. I wouldn't necessarily have the lowest expectations. I'd just kind of be like, eh, we'll see what happens. Yeah, and I agree. It, just, it looks like you just said, I mean, looks like Deshaun is going to be out for the year. Uh, NFL just needs to go ahead and suspend him for – at least a year, if not more, uh, depending on how everything goes. But the, Brown, the Browns probably feel so dumb. They actually thought this was going to work, and they gave him a humongous contract on top of all of it. And now, like you said, Jacoby Brissett has to step in and be the guy for them. And in his early years, I mean, he was a solid backup for New England and the Colts, but this past year was really – really bad for him at, with the Dolphins um, mm -hmm. and you know that's tough but um, we'll see where it goes for them it's just a shame because they have such a great roster top to bottom you could argue that they're a top five complete one of the most complete teams in the NFL so you know that's just a gamble they took and it looks like it's not going to work out for them but you know that's just the way it goes right and and I <laughs> You mentioned like you know them getting Deshaun and signing him, signing that huge, huge contract. You think about you know a few months earlier in March when the Panthers were right in the middle of this Deshaun race, mm -hmm. and you know at the time before you know all this extra stuff about Deshaun really came out, I was like, yeah, I want him. You know, I want him. Like he's gonna be. He's. I mean, he's Deshaun Watson. He's a great football player. I am so relieved that the Carolina Panthers are the Carolina Panthers and did not sign him. Oh, so I relieved. Totally. I think, I think the Falcons feel the same way. Like that would have been a disaster. Um, and I'm, I'm really glad that we did not, not get him to sign. 
Oh, absolutely. I'm, I'm right there with you. Um, speaking of other teams in the NFC South, where do you see now with the acquisition of Baker Mayfield? Let's say he's the starter. Let's say he's their guy. Where do you see this Carolina Panthers team finishing in the NFC South division, which is arguably one of the weakest divisions top to bottom? Uh, You you have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers with that great team. And, you know, the Saints always produce good seasons. But where do you see this Panthers team ending up in the NFC South this year? You know, I said earlier that I was going to be cautiously optimistic. Um. I think at the end of the year, we'll be fighting for a wild card spot. Um, if Baker's our quarterback, I think he is a eight, nine win machine um, with the roster that the Panthers have. I think that he can produce that um, right around eight, nine, 10 wins around there. I think that Tampa Bay will still probably win the division. I think the Panthers, I want to say, they can they can finish second and and be in that wild card spot um so that's i'd be happy with that i guess uh you obviously always want to win the division um but hey second in the division eight nine ten win right around there that'd be a win this year for for the panthers after three straight five win seasons so um yeah we'll see that's that's what i'd be happy with though i'd say Oh, I would be ecstatic with that. You have much higher hopes than than, than myself. I see – I mean, as, as you know, I did put up that story on the DL Sportscom Instagram page. It was a poll. It was a question how – I set the line at five and a half because that was the line before they got Baker with this trade. And it was about – the end results were probably 65% over five and a half. Um, so I, I would put that line higher now. I think that the Panthers can end up winning. Hopefully, I think they could, I think they could win s- seven games. I'm going to set the line. That's, that's where I'm going to put my ceiling just because it's really just my distrust with Matt rule as a, as a coach. And I hate right. to say that, but, um, I think that's extremely important and, that's where I'm putting the ceiling for this for this roster, and I I'm, I'm hope I'm obviously proven wrong. Yeah, I think I, if I had to set it, I personally would go around. I think I'd say I, I'd want to keep it seven and a half, eight and a half, probably probably eight and a half, just because just because of what the offensive line, what we did in the off season with them. Um, I'm I mean, you look top to bottom. I mean, our, you know, defense obviously can, you know, get some improvements, but I think that looking at the offensive line, just the way they rebuilt, um, hopefully that's enough to produce. Um, and then Baker, obviously. So it's going to be, yeah, I think we can both agree it'll be right in the upper, upper, like right or between six and 10. We'll see. I don't know. Um, gosh, I'm just ready to see Baker in a Carolina uniform, though. See it's, something new. See it's something gonna look, new, you know? It's, it's going to look clean. And I'm ready to also see all the other, you know, this offseason was crazy with all these trades. So it's going to be very unique and a really fun season to see all these new players and new teams. And uh, I did want to mention, uh, you just brought up the, the defense. Um so interesting the Panthers defense was actually outstanding the first three or four games last year um which is why I think a huge part of why they started the season so well and then after that like some games you're just watching you're like why are they just giving up like they just would get they would give up and um you know you don't know what's going on in the locker room you don't know what the accountability is like in that locker room you don't know who's holding each other accountable and it did get to the point where the season was getting ugly, so maybe the lack of effort was present. Um, but yeah, I agree. The defense does need to stand, does need to step up and uh, produce as well. And yeah, and and I, I think they they do for sure. And I also um, think you know you mentioned the first few games. I mean, we started out three and zero. 
Um, Darnold didn't look terrible. I was, I remember texting my buddies like, like, Oh man, we look good. Like this is going to be a pretty good year. Like, and then it all went down from there. But um, I think about, you know, first three games, defense was great. And then something changed. And that happened the third game, I think, third or fourth game, I think, is when J.C. Horn broke his foot. Yep. Um, that was sort and of the before then, point. he was stellar. And I am, I've never been more excited for, to see a player come back and, and play ball. Because, I mean, when he was on the field, he had a near-perfect um, – rating or I, I like he was he was unbelievable he was great and I think him I think Jeremy Chen who I love um love Jeremy Chen he's gonna be he's gonna be back Brian Burns always gets it done um Luvu stepped up a little um it's gonna be exciting man I'm I'm excited I the the defense is is you know it, it needs to do a little more um, but I think J.C. Horn is a huge part of that, even in his second year. So, um, yeah, all eyes on J.C. Horn. Yeah, he's kicking ball, to say the least. Well, Cameron, thank you for joining the show. This was really great. Uh, really appreciate you coming on, and hopefully we can do this again sometime. Yeah, Sam, thank you so much, man. It was a lot of fun. Keep pounding, baby. Keep pounding. It's going to be a great year. <laughs> Welcome back, friends. I hope you guys enjoyed that talk with Cameron. Let's now transition into some small news bits that I've been seeing since the last episode over the last week. So we are going to begin and lead off with Chet Holgram. If you guys heard my last episode, you definitely heard my take on Chet Holgram when I was talking with my buddy Max Slinky about the NBA draft. I said that I thought Chet would be a bust in the end, but that he also had the most upside. In his first summer league game, he absolutely dominated. I was getting texts left and right. People were chirping me, telling me how wrong I was. I was getting texts from my friends. I was getting texts from family members. All I said to myself was, listen, this is summer league. Some people I didn't even respond because it, I didn't need to get all worked up for no reason. I'm not going to judge any player in Summer League. And if anyone knows me, I'm a massive Duke basketball fan. So obviously I've been watching Paulo Bancaro with the Magic. And if he was having a performance like this, I wouldn't even be fanboying over what's, what's going on. And what do you know? The very next game, Chet Holgram was terrible. He was nowhere near the player he was the game before. Because it's summer league, people. He was getting backed in the paint. If you saw this highlight, everyone probably saw this. His second game, Chet was getting absolutely dominated by Kenny Lofton Jr. in the paint. Kenny Lofton Jr. That's why you hold your ground, my friends. I'm not going anywhere until I'm proven wrong. I don't want to hear anything from anyone until, until the All-Star game. Until the All-Star game, I don't want to hear anything. If you think, if, if you guys thought Kenny Lofton Jr. was bad, just wait until it's Giannis or Bam. That's going to be a sight to see. I'm going to have those games circled on my calendar. And I don't really watch NBA that much during the regular season. If there's, you know, I'll, watch, I'll tune into the NBA Wednesday, NBA Fridays here and there. But if I see the Oklahoma City Thunder... And they're playing a team that has a dominant paint presence. I'm going to have receipts. I'm waiting. I'm going to have receipts, people. Also, Twitter was just so funny after that first game he played. If you guys follow uh, Worldwide Wob on Twitter, he was one of the many individuals who were putting up comparison videos of him and Katie next to each other. Come on, people. You guys got to slow down. It's Summer League. I'm pretty sure Wob put up a video of Chet Holgram backing up defender who was probably two feet shorter than him down, turning around and doing a fadeaway jump shot. And he, the, the caption was like, do I even have to say it? Come on, guys. You're really going to compare Chet Holgram right now to Kevin Durant 
one of the greatest scorers who's ever lived. You guys need to pump the brakes. You need to pump the brakes, people. I'm holding my ground. I'm going to have receipts. Let's move on. Of course, I had to mention this. Unfortunately, I could not watch it because I was doing something else at the time. But if anyone saw our savior, Joey Chestnut, weather the storm on crutches and down 65 hot dogs for the win at Nathan's Hot Dog Contest, that was just freaking awesome. He had a protester get in his face while he was eating, and I'm sure everyone's, everyone definitely saw this. But he choked out this dude as he was protesting. I thought he snapped the kid's freaking neck in half when I saw the video of it. I was like, oh my gosh, he just killed that kid on live television. And it definitely cost him at least three hot dogs. It's just like, I couldn't believe my eyes when I saw the video on Twitter. I was just like, what am I, is that kid dead? Like, and I was scrolling through the comments too, and... I had a lot. I saw a lot of people saying the same thing. Like, I hope that kid's okay. He did come out later and say he wished he hadn't done anything. But I mean, I get it. You're in the heat of the moment, high stressful situation. You're already on crutches, and some kid comes up to comes up to you out of nowhere. I mean, the adrenaline's pumping. You just you have to act and do something. He also didn't know if something. You know, he could have been anything. So. You know, you got to you gotta react and hold your ground in that situation. I get it. Um, but, yeah, Joey Chestnut, he's the GOAT. Um, I'm pretty sure his record is 76 hot dogs. He only had 65, but it doesn't even matter because it wasn't even close. Uh, so, Nathan's Hot Dog Contest, most American thing on planet Earth. Love it. Um, great to see that. Elite athlete, Joey Chestnut. All right, next we have uh, Tony D'Angelo. So, Hurricanes defenseman Tony D'Angelo was traded to the Philadelphia Flyers in exchange. This was also during the NHL draft, by the way. So, Hurricanes defenseman Tony D'Angelo was traded to the Philadelphia Flyers in exchange for a second, third, and fourth round draft pick over the next three years. The deal was for $5 million over four years, which, again, if you listen to the last podcast, I was dissecting Hurricanes free agents, and he was a restricted free agent, uh, so there had to be a trade for him. I mentioned that it would have been nice to keep D'Angelo on a one to two year deal for around two million a year at most, maybe a little bit more. Um, you could have argued a little bit more uh, due to the offensive production he was bringing to the team. Uh, so obviously, five million was too much money for the Hurricanes to give him that goes without saying this one hurts this one hurts to lose because he was such a vital position for us as the quarterback of the power play unit so now the Hurricanes need to move they need to move and they need to find a new QB for the power play and also figure out what they're going to do with Nino and Natchez you know there has been a lack of movement and if you are a Hurricanes fan, you follow Hurricanes Twitter, everyone's sort of panicking. And they need to do something this week. If they don't do something this week, I will officially, we need to sound the alarms. Um, I'm going to keep the faith. I hope they figure it out soon. I wish we could have kept Tony, but, you know, money talks and good for him for getting the money he wanted. I saw a lot of people mentioning Jake Gardner. We cannot go back to Jake Gardner, people. We need a replacement that's actually a competent human being on the ice. He's so bad. Can we just admit that finally? He's so expensive. He's out of his glory days. I don't know why he's still on the roster. He's, I hate, I hate seeing on Twitter, oh, it's Jake Gardner season. It's Jake Gardner season. No, no. Please no. Please no. Please no. No more. We can't have that. Also, it would be extremely funny if you didn't know, John Tortorella is now the head coach of the Philadelphia Flyers. So it's going to be hilarious to see him and him together in Philly with 
Tony D'Angelo. It's just going to be an ego off the whole time. I I would do anything to be a fly on the wall in that facility or just a beat reporter who who covers the Philadelphia Flyers going to open ice watching them at practice. That's going to be great. It and I again, I would die to be a fly on the wall in that locker room. That would be that would just be pure that would just be pure entertainment. I would love that. It it really is just going to be who has the, who has bigger balls. Who has bigger balls the whole time? I, I can't I can't wait to see how that goes. It's either going to be an absolute disaster or it's going to be a big success. So hopefully they can figure it out. Next we have uh, Kirill Kaprizov news. If you don't know Kirill Kaprizov, he's an NHL star who plays for the Minnesota Wild. He has a warrant out for him in Russia. He is a Russian native who came over. To play in the NHL, um, only been in the league for two years, so very young. He has a warrant out for him in Russia because he has a Russian military ID that he applied for back in 2017, I believe it was. So it looks like Russia has reached out to us saying that you know they need him back, they they need him, they need him fighting, they need him on duty, whatever the case may be. So. This is just very odd times, weird times that we live in, and lots of confusion regarding U.S. citizens being in Russia and Russia citizens being in the U.S., as we can see with the whole Brittany Griner situation and incident. It's just crazy times we're in, and hopefully hopefully this stuff won't continue. Um, hopefully it won't continue. It just it's just all so confusing and I'm not going to get super deep into the Brittany Griner incident, but it's just, she did make a very good point. Like she said to Joe Biden, you know, I need help. Like, listen, I need help here. I need to get out of here. She pleaded guilty to her charges of having THC on her, um, while she was there, which obviously is no bueno. Um, it's just, she said, I'm pretty sure she said this. If this was LeBron, he would be home by now. Let that sink in. And she's right. If LeBron James was in Russia for whatever reason it was, and he had some THC on him, he would be home right now. He would be home right now. So... It makes sense. I get what she's saying, and hopefully we can figure all this out soon. It's going to be just hopefully these times can end because there's going to be more incidents like this. Um, if you are, for some reason, if you are a athlete of any kind and you are listening to this podcast, just do not go near Russia. Do not go anywhere near that part of Europe. Just don't go and definitely don't go with some marijuana on you. Just don't do it. Not a good idea. All right. Let's move on to some other news. So, researchers at Boston University have discovered that studying former Broncos wide receiver Demarius Thomas, they were studying his brain. Uh, If you don't know, Thomas passed away last fall due to a seizure. Extremely sad situation. Uh, very sad and heartbreaking day for the NFL last fall. Um, the researchers at Boston University have discovered that he had stage two CTE. Um, this just is really, this is just really sad news to put it lightly. Um, it was, all of it is very interesting. Thomas passed away last fall due to a seizure, which was something his family believed was a result of a severe car crash he was involved in. So his family said that after the car crash, he had been experiencing some seizures, some severe seizures that were, you know, obviously not normal. And for those who don't know this, I didn't even know this before I read all these articles and did some research on my own. 
for those who don't know this, CTE does not cause death. So there are four stages of CTE, and the worst at so the worst side effect you can get at stage four is dementia. The other side effects are you know mood swings, increased depression and anxiety, and just out of character moods that develop, which his family has admitted he had been experiencing before his death occurred. So obviously, things weren't normal even before his his death. So all of it is very mysterious. And although the CTE didn't kill him, it's still really scary to hear that this is going on with him. And the NFL, they need to step in and do something. They have to step in and do something about this before it gets worse. And the even scarier part is that all of this research about CTE is relatively new. So there could be a lot of players and former players having these side effects and not talking about it because they're too afraid to say anything, which is something that Des Bryant mentioned over social media. So the NFL needs to address this. This is not a joke. This is something real. Um, As we know, the way that the NFL handles things are already really bad, horrible, honestly, but maybe they'll see this issue differently um, you know, this is this is the players. We know that football is a violent sport. We know there's a lot of head contact. And right now, I don't have a solution that could be, uh, you know, brought to the table. I don't. I have not thought any of that through. But, you know, this is something they have to think about. This is something they need to talk about within uh, their front office. And things are going to get worse. So, it... Uh, it's all scary, all very scary, and my heart breaks for um, Demarius Thomas and his family. My last small news bit is uh, actually just happened. So I woke up this morning and was scrolling through Twitter, and the funniest, this is one of the funniest things that we have discovered in the sports world so far, and honestly, probably the funniest thing recently. So we all know Zach Wilson. He is a quarterback for the New York Jets. He was a rookie last year. Um, And so the story is he is a MILF chaser. Apparently he's a MILF chaser, people. Uh, (laughs) He was dating a girl uh, for a while. Um, Don't know her name. Did not care to look it up. I'm just doing this on top of my head because it happened last minute. Uh, was dating someone through college. Um, they were close. They were dating for a while. And then all of a sudden they broke up. Uh, you know, people break up and get together with other people all the time. It's whatever. Things happen. That's just how life works. But the thing is, she broke up with Zach Wilson and started dating Zach Wilson's best friend, who was also a wide receiver on the BYU football team. And as we know, Zach Wilson was the quarterback at BYU. So this girl, Zach Wilson's ex-girlfriend, was posting, posted a picture of the new, her new boyfriend, Zach Wilson's ex-best friend, on Instagram together. And somebody in the comments said the comment, quote, homie hopper. <laughs> that started everything. That started everything. That's when it all went down. And you would think that's the end of the story, but it's not the end of the story. So this girl replies to the comment and says, homie hopper, question mark. I am not the homie hopper. He was the one who was sleeping with his mom's best friend. And then that went ballistic online, went viral everywhere. And Someone who works for Barstool Sports put up a uh, TikTok explaining the whole situation, which after that went viral with the whole story. Zach Wilson reached out to him and said, you need to take this down. This is not what I want online about me. And, you know, he thought it was going to be a bad situation for him. Turns out everyone is hyping this dude up. Everyone loves the fact that he's, you know, having sex with his best friends his mom's best friend everyone loves it 
So crazy news. This is, you know, this is typical like Twitter, like gossip, athlete gossip. It feels like we're on entertainment tonight on the internet right now. It's crazy. Uh, but I just wanted to mention that. Did not have that in the plans at all for this podcast, but this has happened this morning. Felt like I couldn't leave it out. Um, so yeah, Zach Wilson is, he already was a cougar, but he's a different kind of cougar now. He loves them cougars. So, you know, go Zach Wilson. All right, friends, we now return to this week's edition of Thornton's Betting Tavern. For this edition of the Tavern, we're going to be zoning in on the Open Championship. Open Championship coming up this weekend. That's the only thing I'm going to be tuning into besides a little bit of MLB, just a little sprinkle of that. Um, so we are going to be zoning in and placing a bet for the Open Championship. Hopefully you guys can ride this with me and you guys can make a little money. So my pick for this Open Championship is Justin Thomas at plus 1600. Again, you already you guys know I'm a little bit biased here. I'm rolling with the tide all day. So if you want to win some money, do not fade me on this. He's been playing some great golf. He's been super consistent since the PGA Championship win. And he also has the fourth best odds to win it behind John Rahm, Scotty Scheffler, and Roy McIlroy. Uh, plus 1,600 is great value here. Um, it seems that in golf, uh, you know, this is golf is really hard to bet on. But it seems that anywhere from the three to seven or eight range in terms of odds, it seems that those are the best people to bet. Um, just in terms of value and of chance of, uh, you know, chance of victory. Um, very, again, very unpredictable, but I am riding with Justin Thomas, roll tide all day. Um, I love watching golf, and when you have a little something on it, it just makes it a, lo a little more interesting, a lot more exciting. Uh, and then, listen, this is all we have until football season, people. So, like I said before, we need to strap in. We need to come together as one, so no complaining here. If you aren't a golf fan, now is your opportunity to hop on the wagon while you can. Again, Justin Thomas, plus 1,600. Good luck, friends. Okay, we're going to wrap up the show with some music takes of mine. Again, we're going to be doing something like this for the outro of every episode I'm doing for the foreseeable future. Hopefully, uh, we can get some musical talents on here one day. That's definitely the end goal. Uh, so for this week's music segment i'm gonna highlight an underground artist who is quickly on the rise if you know you know and if you do know i am the king at finding artists that are about to blow up if you're close to me you know this is true i'm not even trying to get my ego up i'm really not trying to get my ego up here at all i promise friends let's talk about mike dimes he's a rapper out of texas and oh my goodness people you guys, I have not stopped listening to his music. And whenever I get into someone, I cannot stop listening to them. In the gym, in the car, in the shower, literally everywhere. I am hooked on Mike Dimes. I suggest if you want to check out some of his stuff, I'd start with his new album that just released in March titled In Dimes We Trust. It has a super dope album cover too, which I think is always important for a quality album. It just has that, you know, that... It just has that cherry on top of, of something that's very quality. My top three songs off that album, if you guys want to uh, take follow my lead here, I would start with No Trends, Who Is Mike Dimes, and Where the Party At featuring Duke Deuce. Um, I've done some research on this guy just to see you know who his influences, influencers are, who he's trying to model his game after. And it seems that you know obviously he has some people he looks up to, um, but... You know, he's trying to pave his own way, which I really, truly respect about him. Uh, and he's just grown fast. He just is a super talented artist, can do anything he wants. Um, I first was put on to him with the uh, Home Remix with J.I.D. And if you guys know me, I'm a huge J.I.D. fan. Uh, that's one of J.I.D.'s best, best verses ever. So if you're a J.I.D. fan, you got to check that out for sure. Um but yeah, Mike Dimes, he reminds me a lot of Joey Badass, who is one of my favorite artists. 
Um, I'm super excited about his album coming up next week, by the way. And I even read on the article that I was telling you guys about where he said Joey was one of his main influences as an artist. So, you know, that's just great to see. Um, so, yeah, go check him out before he gets too big and you're considered a mainstream fan. You guys will thank me later. Trust me. I'm putting you guys on now. Shout out to Mike Dimes. All right, guys, that's everything for this episode of On the DL Podcast. I really hope you guys enjoyed everything we covered today. I'll be back next week with a great discussion with Alabama sports fan Adam Wheel. He's a humongous Tide fan, and he has a huge following on Twitter if you guys want to check him out before the episode next week. So I'm super hype about that. Um, I think it's going to be great. I'm going to start rolling in with these guests. Uh, I think today's episode was fantastic. Um, so love you guys and I'll see y'all next week.